Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 65 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, may your word penetrate our hearts today and transform our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 21. We start out with the widow's mite. Well, two mites, which were two copper coins she placed in the offering. Jesus said she put in more than all the rich people who gave much more than she did. She gave all she had, believing God would take care of her next need. The others put in small portions of what they had, leaning on themselves to provide for their lives. They had no worry or care that there would be more, for there was plenty more for them. But our widow had nothing left and seemingly no one to take care of her or her needs that would come. Her belief is truly extraordinary. Next, Jesus tells the people about the end times and what to look for. I don't believe we are in the end times yet, but maybe some of the birth pains to the end times. I have no theological reason to offer this belief, but the short answer is there has not been enough suffering yet, not according to the book of Revelations, which we will be reading shortly. Verses 14 and 15 stand out to me when Jesus says we will be persecuted. He said, resolve and settle it in your mind not to meditate and prepare beforehand how you are to make your defense and how you will answer. For I myself will give you a mouth and such utterance and wisdom that all your foes combined will be unable to stand against or refute. Wow, to have such wisdom and speak such wisdom, that will be a mighty day indeed. And then he said, by your steadfastness and patient endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. Let us make the decision to be steadfast, unwavering and firm in our faith, so that if or when we are singled out for our faith, we will know how to stand firm. Then Jesus gives instructions about what we will see and what to do when the end times draw near. It is all quite difficult to take in, but when Jesus comes, we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great, transcendent, and overwhelming power and all his kingly glory, majesty, and splendor. Even so, the Messiah who walked on this earth was a humble man. Verse 37 says, Now in the daytime Jesus was teaching in the porches and courts of the temple, but at night he would go and stay on the mount called Olivet. He served, taught, and prayed. He didn't occupy a castle here on earth, but spent his time on the bank of a mountain in prayer to his father. He teaches us what is important in life. It isn't the things we think that are important, like houses and cars and vacation. It's leaning into the Lord and depending on him for our every need, just as we started this chapter with the widow giving all she had so that she had to lean on God to care for her. No, we don't need to be paupers, but we don't need extravagance either. Prayer. Prayer is first and foremost, as Jesus shows us. Let's see what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start with the end of verse first. Verse 19. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration for favor restoring the world to favor with himself. Such a beautiful passage. It was God's plan all along to restore us, to bring us close to himself. We are blessed beyond measure to have such favor from the Lord. No matter what our circumstances currently look like, we have favor with almighty God, the creator of all we know and see. Paul starts the chapter by referring to our bodies as tents, tents that our spirits reside in. They are temporary places of residences that house our souls. 
He writes about yearning to be clothed with his celestial body and dwell in heaven one day. Verse five says, now he who has fashioned us, preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Yes, God is all the while working in us to bring us into his kingdom one day. His Holy Spirit continues to draw us closer to him and transform us closer to his image as we walk this earth. Paul then drops a bit of a bomb, saying we will all sit before the judgment seat of Christ and receive our reward, or not, depending on our lives and our hearts. Let us continue to run the race and not grow weary, my friends. God gives us the strength we need to do all he asks us to do. His last verse encourages us for our sake. He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed at being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and right in relationship with him by his goodness. We have no hope in ourselves, but we do have hope in Christ. He makes us righteous in God's eyes. Let's see what's happening in Numbers chapter 13 starts with God instructing Moses to send scouts to the land of Canaan. He gave Moses specific instructions about who to send. He sent the elders of the tribes. God knew exactly who to send and he knew exactly what they'd find. People bigger and stronger than themselves. They were instructed to cut down fruit from the land and bring it back as well. When they came back to give the report of what they found, they did talk about how the land flowed with milk and honey. They also gave the report that the men were large, big men, scary men who devoured all other men. They were afraid. God knew who these men were, and he knew he was bigger. God gives us dreams, big dreams, big challenges, knowing he is bigger. We recently read where King David prayed God would lift him onto a rock that was higher than he could manage. David knew how big God is and that God would deliver him from Goliath and all other giants. But these people didn't. Well, all but one didn't. Caleb was the only one who said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But no one else agreed. The Israelites' 40-year travel time could have possibly been reduced by about 37 or 38 years had they gone when Caleb said they should. But they didn't. They let fear overtake them. Verse 33 says, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. This is a nugget of wisdom that we should read over and over and over again. How we see ourselves is how others see us as well. Shall we be grasshoppers or shall we be giants? Well, let's see what's happening in Numbers 14. Well, they are discouraged. Remember, scouts had come back from Canaan with a bad report of what they saw, a bad report only in that they thought the people in Canaan were too big to overcome. So we read now that the discouragement had set in. They began grumbling and complaining against Moses, Aaron, and most importantly, against God. But Joshua and Caleb said something different. In verse 7, they said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. They told the Israelites to not fear the large people in the other land. Well, the Lord heard the grumbling and he was angry. He told Moses he would wipe the people out. But Moses told God then the Egyptians would hear and all the miracles God had done would be for naught because they would see God did not take care of these people. Any fear the other nations had about the Israelites would be nullified. And we read that Moses asked for their forgiveness. God pardoned them on Moses asking for it. However, those who grumbled against him would not ever see the land he promised them. Caleb and Joshua were exempt from this since they showed themselves faithful to the Lord. 
Of course, we see a change of heart when Moses told them God would not bring them into the land safely, that they would die. They even acted as if they would now go and fight the Canaanites, but Moses did not go with them. Isn't that how it goes? God says go, and they wouldn't. God said go a different way, and they went back to the original plan. They were always doing the opposite of what God commanded them. And I'm afraid we aren't built much differently. Most of us have the spirit that wants to fight and not surrender our will to God's. Unfortunately for them, the Amalekites and Canaanites came down the mountain, killed some of the Israelites, and pushed them back to Hormah. Let us look at our own selves and see if God is asking us to surrender to him in some way. Let's see what Psalm 65 has to say to us today. This is a psalm, one of thanksgiving and praise during harvest season. It would be an amazing Thanksgiving psalm to read, so make a note to yourself for the next Thanksgiving to read it. I want to read the first verse out of the Amplified Bible to you because there are some lovely phrases to meditate on. To you belong silence, the submissive wonder of reverence, which bursts forth into praise and praise is due and fitting to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall the vow be performed. Ah, silence is described as submissive wonder of reverence, which can only be contained so long before we must praise the Lord. Yes, he is greatly to be praised. Verse four is also underlined in my Bible and says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whom you choose and cause to come near that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. As I read this verse, I was so thankful the Lord chose me to come near to him. We are blessed to have his Holy Spirit reside in us, dwell in us. It makes me want to do better, be better for his spirit to dwell within me. As Jesus spent many a night on the bank of a mountain in prayer, we know that we are more than satisfied when we sit in the presence of almighty God. Take a few moments and sit with God today, just you and him, and silently submit to him. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word that brings forth praise in our hearts and hope in our minds. Keep our eyes on you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.